Is there something in you, maybe abuse, maybe sexual abuse of some kind, and the Lord just gave me that. Maybe it's a situation with one of your kids. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a teen mom. You feel, God doesn't give, but you feel a lot of maybe shame from that. And you've had this tough exterior your whole life and you've never said anything, but deep inside, there's some emotions that might need to be processed through, but it's no man's land. You do not let anybody in. You have secured it and you don't even want Jesus to go in because you don't want him to stir things up and mess things up for you. You have coexisted with something toxic an extremely long time. My hope to you today is that with one word, go. That's all he said. Go. It's time now for the Autumn Mile Show. Let's go! Hey, hey guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to a brand new, super exciting edition of the Autumn Miles Show. I'm going to be with you for the next hour and we're going to have a blast, all right? Buckle up, Buttercup. I've got an amazing message Miracles Week 3 coming at you right after this break. Uh, No, not right after the break. Yes, right after the break. Coming at you right after the break. I was right. I was right. Guys, it's been a long morning over here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I am super excited to get to my content today, but um, I got a couple little PSAs before we do that. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. I know I am. I love it when we take like just a closer look at Jesus and his miracles and what he's willing to do for us. So many, so much ignites inside of me when I study through his miracles. And so I hope you're enjoying that just as much as I am. Um, And I hope you share this with a friend. Share it. The Job series, you guys, was shared with everybody. I mean, Amanda said our inbox was like swarming throughout that Job series. We actually have, um, I think, a prayer request or something today that was produced from that Job series. So y'all did me a solid sharing that Job series. And I really want you to share this one as well because I feel like we're kind of in this faith fatigue season. Okay. Like, you know, sometimes the world just seems so bad. (laughs) It is hard to keep believing, but don't stop believing. Who said that? Who was that song? I don't even know. I feel like we're in a faith fatigue and I want to re-engage your faith because he is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So share this with a friend talk about it. Do it in your small group. Do these in your small group. I've got a lot of plans for these Jesus Initiative series that I do, and I'm hopefully going to roll some of those out at the beginning of the year. So um, thank you for listening along. Share it with a friend. Also, uh, this takes money to run this big old podcast with all y'all out there. It takes money. And we want to keep this continually going and also want to build on top of it. 
So if the Lord has blessed you via our show, our tiny little show, go on the website. And if you would donate, we would greatly appreciate it, especially with the holidays coming up and stuff like that. Like it takes money. Stuff takes money. Like you can't go to Whataburger and get a, a burger for free. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay. <laughs> So um, I would really appreciate you if the Lord lays it on your heart to donate so we can get, keep this going because there is a cost uh, that is associated with it. Also, do not forget to send me your stories. I really want to focus on miraculous stories. So if you have been healed by God, if something crazy has happened in your life, send it over. We're reading through them all. We're seeing um, them all. We're moved by them all. Uh, but you can send them to hello at autumnmiles.com. And man, we would love you so much if you did that. It's so good to hear that God is working in everybody's life. You know, I love that. It's the community um, that we celebrate. Okay. So what's going on in Autumn Miles' life? So much, so much all the time, okay? I could tell you like 10 stories today of what has happened in my life in the last couple of days. <sighs> But here is the one that won. Um, my daughter, Grace, was the lead, one of the leads in her musical at, for her high school on Saturday night. They did SpongeBob. Now, listen. <laughs> SpongeBob. When she told me, I'm going to be in the musical SpongeBob, I cocked my head a little bit and said, really? <laughs> and thought, Cool. Can't wait to go to seven shows of SpongeBob. Like a couple years ago, they did Oklahoma. I grew up on Oklahoma. A couple years ago, they did, oh my goodness, Beauty and the Beast. I love Beauty and the Beast. SpongeBob, like, <laughs> I'm not knocking SpongeBob. It's been around for, you know, 735 years with 10,000 episodes. I'm just. I, me and SpongeBob, I just, it's not something I watch ever, um, but they chose to do it. And so, you know, my daughter's in it. So congratulations. We're going. Okay. We're, well, I'm missing it. Are you kidding me? It's my daughter's senior year. She landed the part, Sandy. She was not SpongeBob, which I think she tried out for SpongeBob. Grace tries out for all the parts. She's just happy to be on the cast list, right? She'd try out for everything. One time she was Lady with Baby in one of the plays that she was in. And we're so proud of her. She was Lady with Baby. She tried out. She didn't have a name. She was a lady with a baby. And we were so proud of that. We went to every showing. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. But she was Lady with Baby one time. But anyway, she's, we've come a long way since the Lady with Baby years. And she was not SpongeBob. The guy who played SpongeBob was super good. But she was Sandy. Now, I didn't even know Sandy existed. Like, I, I don't know nothing about no Sandy. Who's Sandy? Because I don't watch it. But Sandy it, um, was one of the leads. And uh, she had a huge part. I don't know. that She she didn't even leave the, show, the stage very much. And it was incredible, guys. We all went, of course. We take a whole row, our family. And then, you know, when we get there, all my kids are like, can I go sit with my friends? And Eddie and I are like sitting in the second row watching her every move and listening to every note she sings. You know why? Because she's going to ask us about every note and every line she sings. So I've got to give a full report on everything. 
Um, but we sat there and we watched it and I am in this season of parenting where I, having multiple kids, you try to see the best, like the best events. So like, there's like a, a star game, like I'm zeroed in on that. And then you've got the other kids that are like, can I have Skittles? Can I have water? Can I have a Gatorade? You know, or you have a kid doing a play like Grace has done plays for years and you're thinking, okay, the practices and everything. I kind of log those out of my memory, but on the show day, I'm there. I'm present. What do you need? You need me to do a white wing line eyeliner? I'll do it. You need a hot pink lip? I got you. Okay, what do you need on game day? It's like with the dances with the kids, the homecoming. You know, you kind of don't really think too much about the details, but then on dance day, you're like, okay, we got to go get our nails done. We got to go do the thing. Jude, you can eat a flower. We need the thing. Um, and I've really stopped living that way because I, I realized I went to, from like one event to another rather than sitting in the little things. And when you have more than one kid, I'll put it like that because one kid gets all your attention. You have to learn how to balance everything really, really well. And when when you have multiple children, it's a balancing act. You know, you want to be 100 percent there for all of them all the time and when you have multiple ch sometimes you know you miss you miss things here or there Moses came in and told me something the other day and I totally forgot that it even happened <laughs> and I was like really what did that happen and he was like mom but I stopped living from an event to event because you know several years ago I realized the tiny little things that we miss that is so wonderful the conversations driving them to practice rather than to a game or eating at Chick-fil-A and those conversations and stuff like that. And I was really proud of myself because we went in to SpongeBob. <laughs> I still can't believe she, she's doing that play. And I just, as I walked in, I'm like, take this in because this is the last musical for high school she's going to be in. And I just sort of took it all in and you know, we let the kids buy all the Skittles and everything at the concession stand that they had. And we got all the flowers and, you know, we were, I did her hair. She needed space buns for her character. So it took me one hour to get those things perfect for her. But the little details really made this night just amazing. And I sat down and the music was getting ready to, or whatever, the curtain was, be, it was about ready to start. And, you know, Eddie and I have been married 19 years, so we talk without even, without even looking at each other, we talk. <laughs> he can sit three seats beside me and I'll be thinking something and he'll be like, it's okay. And that's exactly what happened. I turned my head a very certain way and he looked at me and I was about to burst into tears because I thought, this kid I'm so proud of. And he goes, you're going to make it through. And then I'm like, why did you say that? That makes things out so much worse. As a, don't say that. Just don't say anything. But I'm telling you what, this kid shined. She is a star. And she's always been a star. She's a star off stage or on stage. It was incredible. I never liked SpongeBob so much in my life. I never got into it more. Half the show, I'm the only, I'm laughed so loud. I get so mad at myself because I'm such a loud laugher. And I laughed the whole first half and, and we sit in the very front and I'm like, oh, does anyone else think this is funny? But I thought it was hilarious. So um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm just so proud of my kid. And I'm so proud of us as parents that we fanned the flame. 
We didn't tell her she couldn't. We've always told her, you can. Don't you listen to anybody else. Don't you shrink for anyone's opinion. You can. And uh, that's how we parent. So anyway, and she's really doing it. She's really doing it. So it was a really good show. I'm super proud of her. SpongeBob. Who knew I would ever like it? But I do. I guess I do now. I guess I'm a fan. I don't know. I've got three more shows to go to. So I'm sure they'll be great. Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. You don't want to miss this show today. So do what you need to do. Go to little girl's room. Get yourself a Diet Coke. Sit down because you're going to want to hear what the Lord gave me to share. I'll be back just in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve, rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God, with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the Biblical Harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. Week three of miracles, week three. Now, we did the feeding of the 5,000, which I loved that take on what we did with the feeding of the 5,000. Go back and listen if you haven't listened. We did the little girl, I say to you, get up. That was really, really good as well. I've actually kind of set in that story a lot lately. Last week, we talked about Jesus walking towards the disciples during the storm and he walked on top of what was bothering the disciples. And man, I love that. Looking back through those notes and, and stuff, I was like, that is fire right there on all of our situations. Jesus just walks on top of it. You know, he's just like, bam, I'm the boss. I'm going to walk on you. You are not going to swallow me up. Anyway, love that. But this is this is our next week. We had a little precursor, which um, I believe was the little girl who Jesus resurrected. Then I think we did. I think I could be getting these wrong. Anyway, all I know is that we're week three of miracles with a little we have a little appetizer in there. Now, this one is going to challenge you a little bit, (laughs) but it needs to be said. I was talking to my kids this weekend because they're at the point now where they all know the Lord. The Lord is very involved in our lives. He has a daily conversation. We don't keep him out. We invite him in. And I was having a conversation with my boys, Moses and Jude, on Sunday. We're talking about church and, you know, whatever it was. 
And I just said, you know, what is your favorite miracle in scriptures? And I was already circulating this in my head. So I know that when I circulate it in my head and then someone confirms it, I'm like, bam, that's it. And I think both of them talked about this particular passage of scripture that we find in Matthew 9. I'm going to read the passage of scripture to you. Just know that, um, just prepare your hearts because this is going to challenge you a little bit. And I really do believe it's a timely message for us today. Matthew 9 says this, Matthew 9, 28. When he came to the other side of the country of the Gadarenes, two men were demon-possessed. And they met him as they were coming out of the tombs. Listen, they were so extremely violent that no one could pass that way. That no one could pass that way. Now, the story is recorded elsewhere as well. I specifically like this version of it because of what I'm getting ready to tell you. They were extremely violent. Now, if you were to do any study on these two men, they had taken up territory in Gadarenes and they had put out a boundary because they were so extremely violent that people went around them because they didn't want to have anything to do with them, okay? They had a territory, and there was a stronghold in that territory. The entire town walked around where they were, just made a path around them so that they could exist and not be threatened by these two men. No one could pass that way. No one could pass that way. The city was aware and they decided they just wouldn't confront them. So they walked around them. The city became comfortable with this problem. This is so powerful because while the scripture is talking about a city that allowed these two men to exist in a stronghold or a boundary where they created so much fear because they were violent. I mean, you know, violence means violent. I don't know what they were doing, you know, but we do know that they probably hurt people. They probably tried to kill people, all of the things. And there was two of them. There wasn't just one. There was two of them. So they created this boundary, this stronghold, and everyone got the message. This is a no-fly zone. This is a no-man zone. You don't come near this zone. You don't even challenge this zone because if you do, There'll be literal hell to pay. So they didn't confront it. They walked around it. They didn't come by it. They walked around it. And the city became comfortable with that problem. Imagine a city or a church, or a person 
or a family where there is an issue that is big, that is huge, that is bad, that is dangerous, that is frustrating, that is destructive, that rather than confronting it, rather than facing it, a city, a church, and a family just makes peace with it. And it becomes a part of that system because it's too dangerous to confront. I have dealt with a lot of different situations, you know, in, in doing this job and, you know, counseling with people and, you know, just all of the things. And counsel on a regular basis, talk to people on a regular basis, pray for people on a regular basis, to have the courage to confront something that literally they have made peace with and become comfortable with. One of the greatest miracles, if you're talking about miracles, that Jesus can do is be welcomed into every part of who we are, of what we are as a family, of the community that we are as a church, and allow him to root out some of these strongholds that we have allowed in and coexisted with. The city figured out how to peacefully coexist with evil. Oh, we'll just we'll just walk around it. <laughs> we just won't talk about it. All the while, all they had to do was confront it. I don't want to have that conversation with that guy because what if he gets mad at me or what if it hurts my reputation or I don't want to have this conversation with my mom because she hurt me and, you know, this could ruin our whole family dynamic and, um, you know, I, I that would be destructive to our, our family unit and I don't want to do that. Um, so I'll just peacefully coexist with something that I know is wrong rather than facing it. I don't want to confront that addiction, that thing that nobody knows about, because if, if they knew about it, it would destroy my image of who I am. So I'll just do the best that I can, ask Jesus for forgiveness all the time and peacefully coexist with it. It's been a part of my life for so long anyway. Is it even possible to root it out? I've talked to so many people that have lived so many lives where they've peacefully coexisted, they think, with a very unhealthy system, a destructive system. But they've learned how to live with it. They've learned how to ebb and flow with it. They've learned how to walk around it and not talk about it. And I believe the miracle that Jesus wants to do today is to look at those two things or that thing that has taken up territory in your life. And I believe he wants to give it a clear directive to go. I sat in this thought process for a really long time. I remember doing this message. I did this message several years ago. And, you know, just to be transparent with you, 
everything that I've been through over the years has created a system, a thought process that had built up in my mind that I actually thought was fine. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I'm doing great. I feel great. I'm perfectly healed. I'm perfectly whatever. And several years ago, I began to do this work through counsel and through books and through, you know, accountability and a bunch of other things, just people that I, I really trusted. I began to let them in to these no fly zones inside of me. These zones in me that I've created, just like these two demonic men, possessed men created just an area that I didn't confront. I didn't want anyone to come in. I don't want you to talk about it. If you bring it up, I'll change the subject um, because I've learned to peacefully coexist with something that was toxic and yet still I let it there. I knew that there was this area in me that needed to be confronted, but you know, I was going along just fine. It was great. And one day through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit um, was telling me, you know, you're doing good and I'm really proud of you. And, you know, all the things that your father tells you. But there is a zone that you've not welcomed me into. And you've existed with it too long. And you focused on everything else for too long. And you've distracted yourself from facing it because you're scared of it. And I'm just sitting there, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't even know what day it was, like a normal Monday. And Jesus just drops this bomb in my mind. And I'm thinking, you know what? He is totally right. As I read this story, I was living this story. I was living as the city was living. I was living and thriving, really, in some cases. But there was a zone that no one could enter, no one could talk about, no one could confront. If you talk about it, I will change the subject. (laughs) You're not welcome there. I'm not even welcome there. Jesus isn't welcome there. It shut down, closed down, period. God was so gentle with me as he led me to a book resource. And he said, you know what? I just want you to pick it up and read it. I begin to read it. In the first couple of pages, I was completely destroyed (laughs) because I began to realize that because of what I've been through, you know, not just the abuse, but there's other trauma that, you know, you, you kind of deal with and you go through, you know, there's lots of different things that I was focusing on that were included in this no fly zone in my mind. This book seemed to hit on a lot of them. And this book, this resource, which is absolutely amazing, began to speak to little processes and systems that I had built inside of me that didn't serve me anymore. And I needed to let them go. I did a ton of work on myself. And, you know, it's so crazy because my husband will even tell me, you don't even is you're, you're almost unrecognizable from several years ago when you really started focusing on these no-fly zones. The biggest problem with that in my life, living as this city, not allowing anyone in, not even God to come in, I didn't let him in because I didn't know what he was going to say. I didn't let him in because I was scared. 
And so just like I started this series, I invited Jesus in to this one area of my life. And I asked him once and for all to take me through the process to weed out some of these things that I have coexisted with for years, you got decades, you guys. It affected everything. It affected my parenting. It affected my marriage. It affected my ministry. It affected my thought process. It affected how I dealt with, with authorities in my life. It affected how, you know, I dealt with people as an authority. It affected how I thought at times my anxiety. It affected everything. And I thought it was just one small secluded area that no one was allowed into. But actually, the effects of that area not being faced were seeping into every area of my life. And I thought I was just doing fine until I said, Jesus, come in. I'm ready. Let's do the work. The two men who were demon possessed met Jesus as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass that way. 29. And they cried out saying, what business, Jesus, do we have with each other, son of God? I added that Jesus in there. Have you come here to torment us before the time? We know what you're bringing. We know our time is short. Are you here to mess with us before ultimately we're destroyed? Now, there was a herd of many swine feeding at a distance from them. The demons began to entreat him, ask him, beg him. If you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. Now, I make this point here because the people didn't see that they could use the authority of God to confront these two demonic men. So they avoided him. But where did Jesus go immediately? He went straight to the source of the problem. And what did they do? They knew instantly that he had authority over them. They did not have authority over him. One of the, the themes that I didn't, even re- I didn't plan out, I didn't even realize, is the authority that Jesus has over every single impossible situation. The whole town couldn't create a solution here. And Jesus went straight to the problem. And in one word, he didn't even say anything. He said to them, go. And they came out and they went into the swine and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished into the water. He said to them one word, go. He didn't even use a huge process. They came to him and had a conversation with him. But when Jesus is allowed to confront and face a system, a problem, a stronghold that no one else is invited into, he can say with one word, go and fix it. But we protect Some of these areas even from him. I know I'm speaking to people today that you know, you can look at your, you know, whatever it is. I hate to feed you guys stuff because I know that there's so many different facets to how this could 
affect someone that's listening. I know there's thousands of you guys that listen. So I want to just ask you, is there an area that is like no man's land you can't go to, there's a landmine there and you just avoid. There's a, there is one island in Hawaii and I'm always like, we've, Eddie and I have been there multiple times and I'm always kind of curious about this island. It's ugly. It's dark and it's not lush and green like all the other islands are. I haven't been to all the islands, but the islands that we've been to are beautiful. It's just kind of dry and dark. And I always ask people like, what's going on over there? Like why? And then no one really, no one can go over there. And we, we were riding in a helicopter one time and doing a helicopter ride. By the way, I will never do that again. <laughs> it was the scariest thing ever. I hate helicopters. It's horrible. <laughs> they kept asking me, Miss Miles, are you okay? And I'm like, no, what is this over? Uh, but anyway, where I was asking the helicopter pilot, you know, what is that island? It's not something that I recognize. And he said, oh, that's the island that no one's allowed to go to. And I'm like, really? Now tell me more. Like all of a sudden I wasn't scared of the helicopter ride anymore. I was like super zeroed in on this conversation. Tell me more. What's going on? And he said, I don't know when I will get my facts wrong and you will tell me. So I'm just going to be super general. Um, He said the military used to do like tests and training and stuff like that there. And there are a lot of basically, I don't know if it's bombs. I don't know what it is, but they haven't uncovered them all. And they don't know exactly where all of them are. And so in order to keep everybody safe, no one's allowed to go on the island. They just don't let anyone over there because they use it for, they used it for military training. And I've always been so curious about that island ever since that guy told me that. So every time we go, I'm like, there's that island that no one could go on. It's like no man's land. It's no, can't even walk on it because you just don't know. And I'm asking you today, like, is there something in you, maybe abuse, maybe sexual abuse of some kind? And the Lord just gave me that. Maybe it's a toxic parent-child relationship. And all your siblings are like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. We had the best childhood ever. But there was something that happened to you that was just different. You've covered it up and you haven't talked about it and you haven't said anything because It would just be too destructive if you allowed anybody in. Maybe it's a situation with one of your kids. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a teen mom. You feel, God doesn't give, but you feel a lot of maybe shame from that. You've had this tough exterior your whole life and you've never said anything, but deep inside, there's some emotions that might need to be processed through, but it's no man's land. You do not let anybody in. You have secured it and you don't even want Jesus to go in because you don't want him to stir things up and mess things up for you. You have coexisted with something toxic an extremely long time. My hope to you today is that with one word, go, go. That's all he said. Go. The entire region was freed from this dangerous threat to their way of life. In one word, it was freed. In one word, it was safe. In one word, this huge problem was gone.
I remember going through that, like uh, the couple of years actually it took me of um, just kind of allowing Jesus in. Sometimes you forget where you haven't invited him. <laughs> Ooh, that'll preach. You forget. Oh, I should let Jesus into that thing to heal it. <laughs> in a couple of years, I just kept saying, Lord, reveal, Lord, reveal, Lord, reveal, Lord, reveal. Show me. Where do I need you? Where have I kept you out of? Where have I been inhospitable to your presence? And the Lord kept showing me, and I was like, awesome. <laughs> I've written all these books, done all this stuff, and the Lord's like, yeah, you didn't let me in here. You didn't let me in there. And he's so gentle, and he's so gracious, and he's so great. So I kept saying, come in. And it just seemed, in my head, so difficult. I coexisted with it. But in God's mind, he knew in one word, he would take care of it. So I went through this process that seemed to be a long process for me. But every time I invited Jesus in to a stronghold that I had coexisted with, he said something like, go or come or you don't need this anymore, or I've forgiven you. Something so complex for me was simple to him. And the process began and the strength began in me in areas that I didn't even realize was necessary. The pigs, he said to them, go. And they came out and they went into the swine and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished by the water. Now, this is where it twists a little bit because the ending is not what you would think. This is how I would have written the ending to this. <laughs> and the whole town came out and they were so happy that they were saved, that they loved Jesus and sat by and um, honored him forever. <laughs> that's how I would have ended this. But that's not how it ends, you guys. And this is what happens. The herd comes down. They rush into the sea and they perish they drowned okay bye-bye swine now the pigs were a source of income for the town okay so the pigs were kind of what fed everybody but they were used for a lot of different uh reasons and they it fueled the economy of what the town was facing so the herdsmen verse 33 ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs. He reported it all. They reported it all. The herdsmen are clearly watching this. I mean, there's, you know, they, he definitely had people that were watching him and the people that were in charge of the pigs were watching. And behold, listen to this. The whole city came out to meet Jesus. And they saw him and implored, implored him to leave their region. Jesus fixed the problem. You would think they would be a little bit more thankful. Jesus completely extinguished the threat to their way of life. They no longer had to coexist with evil. And yet, listen to this. Their economy their way of life was more valuable to them with the pigs than without the demons. What I want to say to you is the whole town was mad because lasting change and freedom 
finally happened for them. And I want to make this poignant statement. Not everyone is going to be happy that you've healed. Not everyone is going to be accepting of Jesus coming in and transforming your life for the better. Not everyone wants to be confronted on areas where they may have hurt you, harmed you, or caused you distress. Not everyone is going to be open to Jesus coming in to a stronghold that they've also coexisted with. Not everyone is going to like the healed you. Not everyone is going to welcome the healed you. It is going to take some transitional time for even people close to you to accept and learn a completely new you. When Jesus comes in and roots out the problem, there's going to be a transition that takes place and it's not going to be welcomed by everybody. The city said, leave And Jesus just saved them from distress and trouble. But the salvation wasn't welcome there. And so he left. I'm warning you of this because just because they don't like what Jesus has done for you does not mean that you should not allow him into that stronghold place anyway. My husband and I, when I went through this whole process, I told you, he said, um, wow, that's different. (laughs) I'm like, I know I'm different. I let Jesus in. And we had to have a lot of just conversations just about how, you know, Eddie is amazing. Um, He's very, you know, he's all for like, you know, whatever you need, uh, basically. But things even, the dynamics switched a little bit within our own relationship where I would just have to say, listen, I used to respond like this or this is how, you know, when we would have a disagreement or something, I would respond and that really wasn't healthy. It was the healthiest way to do it. And I want to change that and I want to kind of move into an area of health. And it was a transition. (laughs) And that's okay. And sometimes he would look at me and be like, wow, okay, this is different. And I'd be like, I know, but you want me this way more than the other way. You want the healed version of me more than the unhealed version of me. And he, we would always kind of come around and say, you're right. Just because you heal doesn't mean everyone's going to like it. Just because you found your voice doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. Just because you've moved on from alcoholism doesn't mean your friends who you drink with are going to like it. So make peace with that. Because know this, him rooting out something that has been protected for so long in you could be the greatest miracle he ever does for you. Lord, we just love you today. I thank you for the invitation you gave me say, man, you're killing it. But let's talk about this one area. I thank you that you are a God that is constantly working for our good. I thank you that you are a God that doesn't accept us at face value, what we tell everybody. I thank you that you are a God that says, you're doing great on all these areas, but we need to talk about a couple of these. I thank you that you love us holistically, Lord. I thank you that you want to heal us holistically, Lord. 
I thank you, Father God, that your eyes see the good, the healed areas, and the ones that still need a word like go from you. Spirit of the living God, I pray that this, as it goes out, as the story goes forth, as you do what you're going to do with it, God, I pray, I pray for that pastor today that's listening, that feels like they have to have it all together and they can't show their weak side to anybody. And so they've created one of these little territories that no one's allowed in and they've made peace with it. They're comfortable with it. I speak freedom to that person today. I pray for that mom today that feels so strongly that she has to have everything together and all the lunches and all the everything and everything has to be pretty and put together and on time and all the bows and all the socks and all the things. But on the inside, she's doing that because no one ever did it for her. And it's a no-fly zone. You don't talk about it. Because her mom was good to her in a lot of other ways. But this area, she struggles. And her perfectionism is proof. I pray, Lord, for that dad who was overcompensating with money. Because he undercompensates with time. I pray for that dad that is trying to buy the love of their kid. Really, all their kid wants is for them to take him to a game. But there's something in him that never had anything growing up, and that's why he's doing it. You're big enough. You're bigger than this. Come in, Father God. Speak to these areas and these situations and say to them, go. Because I believe the miracles are not just the things that we see on the external, but a lot of times... The miracles that we experience are the ones that you free us from on the inside. And Jesus, we need you. Thank you for this story. Thank you how it ends. Because I appreciate the warning that not everyone is going to be cool with the change. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be right back with a story and a question from one of you. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. 
Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, I love that. I really feel like it's special. And we love you here. Freedom is worth it. Okay. It's worth the risk. It's worth the hard. It's worth it. Trust me. <laughs> Your girl knows over here. She's constantly, he's still working on me. Remember that song from VBS when you were a kid? I do. Um, Okie doke. I have a testimony. I want to do a testimony first because the question is a little like, yikes. I'm stuck in a reoccurring sin that I can't seem to break. This is a great question for what I just talked about. I recently met with my pastor and he challenged me in a way that felt like God was speaking directly to me. I walked away from that meeting with a newfound strength to overcome the sin. Not that it was my pastor, but rather God that used him. In no way am I fixed, in quotations, and I know I'll stumble again, but it is was so life-giving to have a conversation with a godly person. This week has already been better, and I feel like God has renewed my passion to serve him. Isn't this exactly what we just talked about? Yes! The biggest miracles that Jesus wants to do are the ones inside of us, guys. The ones inside of us. Love this testimony. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. Sometimes we just need to hear someone say, I get you. I hear you. Yes, we get it. You know, and it's crazy what strength that gives us. Okay, here's the question. <laughs> this is a deep one. I'm having this conversation with other believers and struggling to find, uh, struggling to answer it myself. End time anxiety. <laughs> Rapture anxiety. How to cope, how to move forward, how to look at your future for your children when it's unknown, how to live in joy of the end, whenever it may be, knowing you are a believer, but it just can feel uncertain. You know, this is a fantastic question because everywhere I look, people talk about the end times and all this stuff. And let me just reassure you, nobody knows Nobody knows. We can prepare, but nobody knows. If someone say he know, he don't know, okay? He does not know because the Bible clearly says no one knows except God the Father. And when I was a kid, I thought Jesus was coming back at any second. And here I am 43 years old and he still ain't come back, okay? Nobody knows, all right? Nobody Nobody. Let me just say that again. Nobody. So while you can talk about it, and it's important to be aware that the second coming is coming. Here's two things we know. We have no idea when. And number two, it is going to happen because the Bible talks about it. Two things. Don't know when, but it is going to happen. I think that should dispel a lot of anxiety. Um, I want you to understand that when Jesus comes back, you won't care. 
<laughs> Maybe you need to do a little study on the book of Revelation or what heaven's like or anything like that. But let me say, you won't care. You will want all that Jesus is coming for you for, and you'll want to go to heaven with him and you will be with him. We don't even know. We can't even describe what is waiting for us when second coming comes. How you live your life is live it in preparation because Jesus is coming back, but also don't become a weirdo about it, okay? Yes, it is happening. Nobody knows when. I don't care how many series they put out on the end times. Nobody knows when, okay? We could talk about it, but nobody knows when. And what you need to do rather than focusing on the end times is how do I please God today with my kids? How am I faithful to God today with my family? How do I serve God today? How do I bring as many people with me um, when Jesus comes back? We can get so focused on the end times that we forget about the day to day and we're fearing the end times when you're not even going to care about this world when he comes back and when you meet him face to face. So I do believe a lot of this anxiety comes from the enemy having you distracted by fearing the end times rather than knowing. You just need to know and make up in your head. It's going to be the best day of your life, your kid's life, your husband's life, everybody's life, okay? Heaven is much better than Target. You know what I'm saying? Heaven is much better than uh, the holidays down here. We're going to be celebrating all the time up there. So the things that we celebrate and we love down here, when you get to heaven, oh my goodness gracious, it's going to be something you can't even imagine because it's greater than that. So that's my really passionate answer about that. Nobody knows when, but it will come. Live your day today, 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 the next day, faithful. That's how you handle it. And if someone tells you they know, have them call me because they don't. (laughs) All right, guys, this has been a good episode. I really love this. And um, I love y'all. And I'm praying for you guys. We got a lot of prayer requests in we get a lot of prayer requests from you guys in, and I just want to say we've had a couple lately that have just been heavy on my heart, but I want you to know that we pray for you and we love you and we treasure you. And I can't wait to see you guys next week. Have an awesome, awesome week. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to the autumn mile show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.